Welcome to another episode of Live in the Beam, a Sacramento Kings podcast from the Kings Herald. I'm your host, Greg Wissinger, and joining me as always is Jill Adge. Jill, how are you doing today? I'm doing better. <laughs> doing okay. Better doing than maybe okay. a couple hours ago? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you go through it and then it's like, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. You move on. It is what it, you, we have no control over these things. So we move. So we are recording this Thursday evening after the NBA trade deadline. Uh, TJ Macias is not joining us for this episode. She has been traded for cash considerations. So we wish her the best. But, uh, we, you know, we had to line the the pockets uh, of, you know, King's Herald ownership, you know, so. It, I know we have a couple extra seconds. Maybe we can throw that in there too. Yeah, absolutely. As a parting so, gift. So. Let's jump straight to the headline. The the Kings with the blockbuster trade acquiring Robin Lopez from the Milwaukee Bucks, who the instant the trade was announced, it was also announced that the Kings would be waving Lopez and the Kings really brought back Kings legend. For the Cash second time. Well, yeah, for, for the, the second time in his career, Robin Lopez. Done this to him. But, you know, <laughs> actually, you know what? I think the last time we sent him right off to Portland, I'm not even sure if we did wave him, but it's the second time he was here for a second and then not. But you know what? I will say of all of the almost here, he's actually the most enjoyable. Like he had fun with it, right? And was interacting with fans. And I loved him sitting at the basketball game, just reading a book tonight. Like that's the Stanford kid in him. And you know what? Him and Trey could have had a really good book club together. So, you know, that was a missed opportunity, I think. <laughs> yeah, I I will say it, it's the second time when I saw Robin Lopez's name pop up on the trade thing and then been disappointed that he's not actually going to play here because at this point, it's crazy. He's, he's a good vibes guy, up. right? Exactly. Like he's, he's a good vibes guy, guy, though. Like, yeah, but um Yes, not to be. Uh, so the Kings got back, you know, legendary Kings player cash considerations. And uh, just before we went live, the Bucks announced what they actually got because that was not reported at all earlier today. The Kings are sending draft rights to Demetrios Agravanis, who Jill and I spent like a good like five minutes trying to figure out who this guy was when the Kings even got his draft rights. <laughs> He's been in the Greek League for 13 years, but you know, the best part was reading the Bucks put it out, which is how we saw it. And all of the comments, because right, the Bucks are in a skid. Um, all the comments are, he's Greek. We're so back. We're ready to go. <laughs> so, I mean, they're having just as much fun with it. Yeah. Uh, near as we can tell. So the Kings got his rights. I lost it here. So we had it back in the, the trade with the Hawks where we got Joe Johnson and Iman Schumper and a uh, 2020 pick from Miami. I mean, it was just kind of a throw in thing when we were getting rid of George Hill. So that's how long the Kings have had this guy's rights. And, uh, you yeah, know, he will be missed. I mean, he was, he was a year away from being a year away. Yeah. Only 29. I mean, really, he's still, <laughs> Spring he's chicken. still of age and could, <laughs> could, could have, could have come. But yeah, no, um, I honestly like don't even ever remember hearing um, this name at all. So um, it's just one of those that when teams trade cash, you end up trading the European rights to guys that never come over because you have to send something. So, um, yeah, it's always interesting to see these guys names floating around between all the different teams every year. Uh, you know what? And a lot of people thought that Sasha might be that and the Kings ended up bringing him over. So, you know, it was one of the few that um, 
that came over as well as OKC bringing one over that they traded today. So um, it's rare, but it does happen. Yeah. And we'll jump into some of those other trades that happen, but I do want to start with the Kings. I mean, Jill, just overall, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for all Kings fans because I know that there's some people that are perfectly fine with how today went. But I mean, what was you, I was disappointed, but what was your overall takeaway from the Kings actions or lack of actions today? Um, I don't know. People might not like this, but I kind of have a dual like um feelings on it where I'm bummed that no moves were made to not even necessarily like the big moves. Like I've been saying for a long time, like I just kind of want to hit the margins and and keep moving, keep kind of gaining the asset base, knowing that Monty wants to make, make the big move. Um, and the West is just so close right now that I think if you could have added any depth, um, it would have been nice. But I'm also happy that they didn't panic move and like, you know, do something crazy, which I didn't necessarily think they were going to do. But again, you just you never know. You know, you never know what's going on inside the rooms. And so, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of torn in that sense where I'm OK, but I'm also kind of like, if we could have gotten a little bit of depth, that would have been nice. But I will say this, because we were having this conversation before we started. The names that I wanted them to go after on the margins did not end up getting moved, which to me tells me either the asking price for everybody was too much because there were other teams rumored to be in on some of these names, the the Thibels, the Finney Smiths, the DeLon Wrights of the world. Um, actually, I will say Grimes was one that I was looking at, but he got moved to Detroit. And I understand that move. And there was no way the Kings would have been able to get in on that. So that's understandable. Um, maybe, uh, you know, the Pacers added more shooting, right? They said screw defense. We're adding more shooting in Dougie. That's one that could have been um, maybe talked about. You know, SETI, Osman wasn't moved from the Spurs. Um, I'm trying to think who else is out there. You know, Boston getting Jaden Springer. I was completely shocked that he was actually available and then went for one second. That's a guy where his offense is not there, but Philadelphia has been putting him on Luca, on Giannis and all these guys, and he's been really good. So I thought that was, a you know, a steal for uh, Boston um, for one pick. But I will, the names that we heard attached to the Kings, go back to that. Royce O'Neal, he was the one that got moved. I, I'm trying to think of another name that the Kings were actually attached to. Um, I don't think there was, off the top of my head, I can't think of one that actually got moved that they were, they were kind of linked to. So, again, like, that's kind of my thing where it's like, I can't even be mad because it's like not like other teams actually got these guys and we missed on it. And so, um, and you know, I know that he tried, right? Like we've all been hearing that they've been supremely aggressive and they were going in on it. We even had the Sam Amicks of the world saying they would be completely shocked if nothing happened. But the same way that we might kind of be upset, I've also seen other media putting out there saying they were happy that the Kings actually stayed and they thought the teams that didn't make any kind of moves were actually the smart ones because the sellers were just asking crazy prices, like even for your basic role players. And so if you make the playoffs, 
the 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 pick finally moves on, right? Like, and that's that's the big thing. And then you have everything at your disposal. And that's where I think Monty, there's no excuses anymore, right? Like you you kind of have this one excuse where it's, you know, it's that that pick protection is kind of hanging over you. So it's preventing you from being kind of creative like some of these other teams are. Um you know, and we had that with the JJ Hickson, I, right? I don't Part. Really buy that excuse, though. Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I know, I saying, know, but like yeah. the excuses out there, like you can't use the excuse anymore, whether it's legitimate or not. Like, so, like you physically can't say it anymore, and so unless but that's the thing we saw with the JJ Hickson thing, right? For what seven years, that thing never moved, and so I don't think that's going to happen here. But like, that's kind of the history that this place has with in terms of picks and pick protections. And so, you know, it's the same thing, right? The Lakers, like they had one pick to move this summer. They're going to have three. They decided it was smart to wait to try and have three, you know, and, and everyone's all their fans are mad about that. And I actually saw some of their beat writers saying that they thought the Russell Westbrook trade is what killed the Lakers these last so many years. And I'm going, well, serves you right because you screwed us on that one. So karma, um, but again, like I'm looking forward to, we get to the point where you, you, there's no excuses anymore. It's you have everything at your disposal. And so it's on you now either to get better assets or use the assets. So, um, unless the lack of moves and the lack of upgrades results in the Kings stand in that seven, eight, and they play like they do against lesser opponents and blow their playing game. And then the pick doesn't convey because it's now a lottery. pick. Well, and then, but then, right. Then they have a whole nother, um, issue on their hands. Right. And, and they will get killed, right. They'll get, they'll get killed by fans and media for not making a move in that right now. They can like, they're still go big. They're still going based on last year of, you know, the no moves worked out. We made it. They're banking it on this time. Now we only have time to see what happens. I mean, and if it if it happens, we're all going to be fine. And if it doesn't, then it's going to be deserved. It's it's going to be, you know, any criticism that anybody has ends up being deserved. Last year, people were mad. We ended up being like it had Fox not broken his finger. I think we would have won that one. And that's kind of, you know. And I don't think Mason, like necessarily Mason Plumley, would have fixed that solution. Could there have been a Thibel, you know, type possible solution? Yes. Um, but in the end, people didn't even think the Kings were going to make the playoffs and they ended up making the playoffs. So, um, but everyone's healthy this year. And that's kind of where it falls into the West, where it's a dogfight right now and there's no guarantees. And that's where it does scare me. Um, being, you know, a Kings fan and things not usually going our way. That's, that's where it scares me. And, um, I wish we could have added a little bit more of security. Yeah. And the one thing I would kind of push back on, I mean, you're, you're always the more reasonable between you and I, (laughs) and, and that, and that's what I appreciate about you. But at the same time, like, I, I mean, I was mad today. I was mad that they didn't do anything. And it wasn't that sure, they And didn't. I think that's a fair that's a fair feeling sure. to feel. And it wasn't that they didn't make the home run move. Like if the price isn't right for Kuzma and the other you know, they they wanted OG, didn't have a package that could beat New York's. So they wanted Siakam, it, it fell apart because of what Toronto's asking. So be it. Um 
you know, it's not that you have to make the home run for the home run, but we did see like quite a few bench guys get traded for salary matching, like end of bench salary matching and second round picks. And it's like, why weren't we in on any of those? And like, you know, Royce they maybe O'Neal. didn't want our salary. They maybe didn't want our bench. Like to me, if you're sending out a Grant Williams, sure, and something like that, I can see a team saying, "Hey, I prefer that over." A Chris and, and I'm not upset about you know, the like PJ the, Washington deal. So PJ Washington. Oh no, no, I'm just saying for, that some of the sure. salary matches that I could see it being where it was maybe even a play for play. But that's where Monty has to be better, mm-hmm. right? Like in, in right. getting those kind of assets. It's it's. If you're not going to draft well, then you need to find other ways to secure talent that people are going to want. We all assumed Davion was going, right? I mean, take a look at Royce O'Neal. He was traded for to Phoenix for salary filler and three second round picks. The Kings have plenty of second round picks. And when you look at that salary filler, it stands out to me that one of those salary filler guys was Chemezi Metu, who the Kings had last year and like, that wasn't enough to make a deal happen before. Like, okay, like at a certain point, I, I don't buy the we had the wrong guys because it's end of bench fodder, but right? Did it's they like three? Did they send three? But, they but sent see, three guys. And that's, that's where I will then say sometimes they even give the players the option to choose. And players yeah. are going to say, I'd rather be with Duran and Booker than the King. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that sure. any of these things happen. But knowing how some of these have gone down in the past, like sure. last year, Mason Plumley chose the Clippers and then resigned with the Clippers. Like it didn't matter what the Kings were going to do. He told he as soon as that became an option with management, according to him, that's that's was his destination of choice because he felt that he had an opportunity to start there. That was his thinking was he could take over, end up taking over the starting role. I mean, and at that point. And then he ended up third string this year. <laughs> and now he's back. Now he was back to first because of injuries. I know, but, but like yeah. before their injuries, like, he was their see, third but that's string. How, that's how crazy things play out. Like it's, um, I totally agree with you that it's, there are certain ones like that, but I also know that we usually still end up on the short end of the stick when it comes to. We're always going to be Sacramento and always get the the short end of it. You know, the we're never going to be the team that just gets gifted players like the Lakers do. And I mean, Monty got <laughs> screwed last year by his yeah. like his mentor. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that was that was brutal business where he thought he had Thibel and him and Brown were all excited, and it was like ten to thirty minutes before. Um, the the finalization they nixed and said whoop we're going to portland instead i mean it's a cold world (laughs) like even even the guy that you think's not going to do that to you will do it to you um but that's where i think monty has to get better too and Mm -hmm. and maybe he will like but right now (laughs) it didn't happen yeah i mean it's just a, a challenge to so Last year at the trade deadline, we got continuity. This year, in the offseason, we got continuity. This year at the trade deadline, continuity. And especially given that we've seen 
a lot more struggles this year, a lot more games. The team's just coming out flat and you're like, all right, we got to do something, mix up the energy, get someone who's a spark, whatever it might be. Right. Like, like there's something just a little bit off. Like it's not that the team's bad. It's not that you need to blow it up or take that desperation move. But I, I wanted to see, I wanted to see one of two things. I wanted to see ideally a move to really shore up and strengthen the bench. But two, if nothing else, I wanted to see like, okay, get rid of one of these bench guys that you don't like and get some assets, get a second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Like just get something different, you know? And I mean, like I have trouble believing that the price for, I mean, I understand that he didn't get picked up by anyone else, but a lot of teams made other moves that kind of used up their assets. Like DeLon Wright, like is on an expiring contract. He's 31 years old. Like, I don't understand how you couldn't put together a package that makes Washington say okay on that. And it's now even come out of Washington that the Wizards had received second round pick offers for DeLon Wright, but every offer with the second round pick that they got came with the salary that extended beyond this season. And in their breakdown, they said, if you had an expiring we would have accepted this. Now, if you're offering a Davion or Duarte or something like that to match it, that's not going to be accepted because, again, according to them, that they prioritized keeping their books open for next year. So, again, sometimes it's not as easy as just throwing out the second round picks. Like you have to have a team that wants the picks plus the salary and things like that. So, you know, I know. I'm guilty of saying this a lot. And I know, you know, as Kings fans in general, we're like, just throw the picks at him. Sometimes the picks aren't enough, unfortunately. Like, I know everyone's just assuming Dallas is going to go away because it went away last year. But my also thing about last year was once they didn't jump to that six spot, though, they thought I would just tank. They stopped trying and they were still very much in it. Like they could have kept going and they chose not to because they wanted the draft pick which worked out for him because it got lively. Like it ended up being a good decision. But I do think that people very much forget that aspect that they said, we're not even going to attempt. We're going to pull out of, of even trying for this thing. And all of the players, you know, it said that some were kind of frustrated, but also got the big picture of it. Um, so I would caution people to remember that and not just completely write them off. Um, they're, one game behind Sacramento, they won, they've won their last three. You know, it's not like they're way behind us. Um, and Kyrie's actually been allowed out a lot of that time. And so when you have those two players together, I I wouldn't, you know, it's hard to bet against them. So, um, but again, That's it a- comes to them being available, you know, like the Clippers and everybody else. You, you got to be available. But they very much can beat anybody on a given night when you have, Luca and Kyrie like that's just the reality of the situation those two guys can score with the best of them and and that's the thing that really bothers me is you know you one of the pushbacks that I received to the article I wrote immediately following the deadlines well none of the moves out there you know move the needle and I think what people are saying is like they aren't making you a championship contender and I get that. Well, and they yeah. remember last year that didn't it didn't work for a lot of teams, but that doesn't sure. mean it's always not going to work. Like, and that's we can't just assume at, yes, one way or the other. But I look at right now the standings in the Western Conference, right? So we've got the top four that have kind of differentiated themselves, right? We've got the the Timberwolves, 
who made a trade to bolster their bench. You got the Thunder, who made a trade to improve their bench. You got the Nuggets, who didn't have the assets to do anything. They're standing pat, but they're still a great team. You know, apparently they sent rights of somebody and got a second round pick back. So they did kind of. They added assets. Oh, Um, and remember last year they made a trade. They made a trade during the final. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they yeah, they find ways. The Clippers didn't make a deadline deal, but they made their deal earlier this season to add Harden. They're doing just fine. The Suns made a trade to bolster their bench. The Pelicans didn't pull off a move, but have had the Kings number. The Mavericks, like you said, they made moves to adjust their roster. The Lakers didn't make a move, but the NBA is going to start giving them 35 free throws a game, so they'll be fine. And if the Jazz fall off, the Jazz are 10th, so they're right now the last playing team. They've been scrappy. They sold quite a few. Yeah. They did. But if they fall off, who's right behind them? The Warriors. Like, I mean, there's... Who, who have won, like, eight of seven of nine or something like that and are like, one game below 500 now like that one through 10 like there's not there's nothing in that that gives me utmost confidence that oh yeah the kings can emerge top six pretty easy like and right now i don't trust the kings in a plan series. i got that response a lot today when i did i dared to question <laughs> right i dared to question and it was like how dare you um who below them and it's like what we, the Kings have, I think it was right now we have the third hardest schedule. So yes, it's extremely impressive. We're where we are, but guess what? We have the second hardest schedule going the rest of the way. So, I mean, there's also put some perspective of you have to take care of business. And this team has been so up and down, but that's kind of what frustrates me more is I feel like based on the games, we kind of blew it. We could be in that top four range. And that is, and I think then Monty would have probably been a little bit more inclined to maybe do something that, that shouldn't be the, you know, the factor of it. But um, I do think that it showed that those teams up there, it was like, Hey, if we can try and get a little separation between ourselves, then, you know, let's go for it. Like the Knicks did good for them, man. That's Leon Rose. They hired, they hired right. The ex agent. He's built out almost a whole team of ex or of CAA guys of where he was. And he did all that while keeping his eight future first round picks. Like the Kings just don't ever get that kind of like we just don't get we don't get that. No, like I was I was joking on Twitter today and and the Knicks had a little bit of a setback. You know, they've had some injuries and now OG Ananobi had a little surgery. He's gonna be out at least three weeks. But like the Knicks went for it and are building a team the way every fan wants their team to be built. Like they have draft picks to make another big move in the off season. They've got a really good roster that all fits a specific identity. Like, God, you have good. You know how weird it is to be jealous of the Knicks. I know. I know. (laughs) Yep. Um, Yeah. It's, it's wild. And how quickly, I mean, he kind of turned that around too. Um, But you know, I mean, it just shows that, it, it can be done. And then you have OKC. I'm, people keep saying, you know, they're unproven, but I don't see them going anywhere. Going anywhere. Their young talent is good. They just kind of need that big uh, defensive. I don't want to even say defensive center, but just a big body center at some point that they can kind of throw at someone. But the fact that on offense and defense, they're this good already. And then they have a war chest, right? Of players and picks that they can do whatever they want with. So. That's also my kind of thing is when we say 
oh, he's going to have all these assets, you know, available come summer. Every other team was planning that as well. So to me, it's, I get it and I get you waiting and I get you wanting to at least be there to throw your hat in the ring and have those opportunities. But at some point, you either have to go for it because sometimes those opportunities never materialize either. And then you're wishing, you're left waiting saying, oh, I wish I did this instead. And so, unfortunately, we don't have a crystal ball, so we don't know how it's going to go. Maybe in a year, we're all saying, hey, he did the right thing. He he did it. Uh, he played it yeah. perfectly. But there's also a real scenario, and we people should be able to say this without, you know, being haters or anti-Monty, like none of this is anti-Monty, um, that there is a real scenario where that doesn't exist or they don't choose you, right? Like, so, I mean, nothing is a given. But, I mean, and and this league isn't going to wait for you, but, you know, it's, they don't feel sorry for you, you know, that you've had, you're finally, you know, getting to be good again and, you know, other teams are around you. Like, there's no one helping you. Like, teams might help the Lakers or somebody else. I mean, it's just not. That's not your reality. And so, um, I just hope. I hope it works out. Like, I mean, I. Of these course. players, there's right. nothing that's hanging. There's nothing hanging over them now. You know that should be, where you know that excuse was there too. Where the last two months that you know cloud was hanging over of will they, won't they? That's not there anymore. Of, and so there's. There's nothing holding you back. And I will say the one thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hope is this team hasn't fired on all cylinders at all this year. And in my opinion, and I'd rather have them do that to end the season than start the season. And so if it's going to happen, I'm hoping it's happening now. Um, But I do think that this team's going to go as far as Fox takes them and, um, he kind of has to get out, get out of that funk that's going on because he was averaging 30 points a game the first 38 games of the season, and he's now at averaging 22 for the last 18. And so whether that be he just needs the rest of the All-Star break, there's other stuff going on in his life. You know, we have no idea. But for the Kings to really do what they did last year, they put their foot on the gas after the All-Star break, took care of business. Fox was playing his best basketball. So I, if you get that back, then I, then I think you're, you're fine. It's just, well, all those things, ha- like all those things have to happen again. And that's unfortunately a scenario we don't know. <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because we touched on this briefly, but the buyout market. You know, the buyout market is a little bit more limited because of the second apron rule. There's a handful of teams that cannot sign guys that were making over 12 point something million a year. There's a lot of names out there already on the buyout market. Sacramento traditionally does not benefit from the buyout market. And historically across the NBA, it's very rare for guys from the buyout market to actually make much of a difference you know, in playoffs or championships or anything like that. It just doesn't happen very often. But that being said, you can still potentially look at that as an avenue. Is there anyone that you think the Kings, one, have a shot at, or two, that has really caught your eye that you would like them to go after? 
I will say Jordan Goodwin kind of interests me. He he came over in that deal with Bradley Beal from the Wizards, and most people were surprised the Wizards right sent him along. Um, he was part of that trade uh, for Royce O'Neal. Um, he's uh, could be um, uh, he's been playing backup point guard for the Suns this whole time, um, and I think he's serviceable, and I think he can actually land somewhere. And so um, he's only twenty five, so that kind of has interest to me. Gallinari, I mean, he's not going to give you defense, but I guess if you wanted another vet out there, you know, and he can shoot. Um, along those lines, you have, um, who was it? Uh, Joe Harris, same thing, right? We know he can shoot the hell out of the ball. He doesn't move like he once did, unfortunately, because of all of his injuries. But again, if you're going to say screw defense and I want shooters, um, Gallo and Joe Harris are are right there for you. Um Thaddeus Young, I mean, Toronto kind of played him, but I, I I don't see necessarily how he would necessarily help you very much. Um, Korkmaz, I mean, he's been playing for the Sixers, so there's, you know, um, he's another guy that can go out there and, you know, shoot it for you. Uh, Victor Oladipo, I believe he's still hurt, so I don't think he could actually, um, unfortunately, do anything. Otherwise, there might, uh, could have been some interest there. Trying to think who else we've Daniel has junior. We know Bonnie tried to get him last year and he said no. Um <laughs> that could be one that that comes back. Um Killian Hayes. I think he actually could I was be gonna ask you about Killian Hayes. Um I I would say because he's defense, right? Again, similar to Davion. He's not gonna give you offense, but he's a he's a longer, lengthier um defensive player, and that's what got him into this league was his defense. And so, you know, and he can still get his assists, right? He averages almost five assists a game. Um, I think there is something there. So if if you kind of say, I want more defense and screw offense, then I think Killian would be an option there. Um, now, they didn't buy him out. He was waived. So you depends on if you either he clears waivers or you put in a waiver for him. Um, if you're going straight vibes, you could convert Keon Ellis and sign Harry Giles to a two-way for the rest of the season. And you just wanted to go straight vibes for there. That's that's an option because I doubt that they would actually give him a full roster spot. But I mean, that's something that you could actually do. Um, I'm trying to I'm going down the list on spot rack to see if there was anybody else. I don't see anybody else was waived that i think that's it for now um and it sounds like there's some other players like lowry um that is still talking but we all intents and purposes it's being said that he's going to go to the sixers and reunite um with his coach there uh if delon wright ends up getting bought out um, I would say that's something to obviously look at. And then it's and then it's saying, hey, you didn't send anything and you got the guy you wanted. Good job. Like that's, you know, that could be an option too. Just like you didn't draft Keon, but you ended up getting him right after that in the two-way. So, I mean, there are some options there. But again, yes, you're fighting against other other teams that are, you know, going after him. I believe it was said that Marcus Morris uh, is getting bought out by the Spurs. And so that's um, another one out there. And he cannot go back to um, Philadelphia, I believe. 
or maybe he can. I'm not sure. There's there's weird rules about it. I know Daniel House cannot go back to the Sixers. I'm not Morris totally positive about I, about I, Morris, I'm but pretty sure Morris cannot. Um, I know there's some weird ones sometimes of um, of what can happen. Oh, I totally missed that campaign was traded. Oh, he was part of that Patrick Beverly one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was part of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean... The, um, the if for some reason Seth really Curry gets bad. bought out, like, hey, grab Seth Curry. I mean, I'm trying to think of who who else could get bought out. Oh, Ryan um, Arkitty Kano. I don't, I don't never remember how to say his I don't name. actually know how to pronounce um, it. He's another uh, Villanova point guard. He's part of that group that was with the, the Knicks. He's, again, been a serviceable backup for for years. Trying to go down the list and see who else could get bought out that hasn't. Um, Otto Porter, I believe, was another name that they were talking about as a buyout option. I know he has history with Brown. I don't know if there's anything there. Um that that would be he's had his injuries too so um i would see him i mean golden state seems likely for him right like just vibes and they have guy, they have open they spot so they have an open yeah. spot they have to fill in like the next two weeks like mm-hmm. so i mean there are names out there but again like you said how i don't know it's it, you and they have to make a decision because keon has three games left um Next Wednesday is the last game that he can suit up for. So they're going to have to make such. And you know what? They could convert him and then sign well, another player to. The games don't what? count if he's not active roster, right? But he's been sitting on the bench active all these games. Right. But if they needed to extend it a game or two, they could just not. Then they wouldn't roster. suit him up. But yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. But again, you have. There's three games. I mean, that you can. Yeah, you can choose from, I mean, and you can't play him in the playoffs. So it's either you use you, you run it out, or I don't know what. It seems like the most likely is that he gets the the last roster spot, right? Like, I mean, he's and shown then you enough. Fill another that, two way. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and there's plenty of guys um in Stockton that are you know doing things. Maybe they bring up Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb's been killing it in Stockton. Like, I I don't know. I mean, they're not, you know. This is your option when you go to the buyout market. So it's, you know, um, who else is there um, that they had signed? They signed a bunch of ex. Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson. That was the other one where he signed here because he, again, wanted to another opportunity. And he knew that coming to play with other NBA players, you know, in that kind of system could possibly get him up. So maybe they do some 10 days. I, I, yeah. I don't know, but um, they're all too old to sign the two ways. So it's either Harry <laughs> Giles or you go for somebody, somebody else on your thing. But um, yeah, there is just not. Yeah. So that's at least all I see on this list now. Again, they've said there's plenty of other names that are in discussions, but does it happen or not? We're all kind of waiting to to see. But yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. I that. Yeah, they weren't sending Dorian Finney-Smith because they're still hoping that they can get something for him come draft time. And, you know, I will say that there's there were players that media said that teams were going for, um, like the Bruce Browns and other things, that they expect them to be traded on draft night. So, again, those are other things to look out for that you didn't get them now, and I know that doesn't help us now, but 
the same names that, you know, plenty of names that they were interested in linked to that they can still try and get this offseason, right? I mean, no one was expecting Chris Duarte this, you know, around when they got him. So you just, you never know. You never know. And I still think a lot of teams are trying to figure out the money thing, right? With the new rules that it's just, that it's created a, a weird scenario that you saw teams were saying it was the last time that they could trade money away. So some teams were just trying to, you know, get off certain things. And so I think it's it being that first off season that's just created. Um, I mean, the first trade deadline with those rules that it's just created some weird, um, weird stuff. And then the, the seller is just, I mean, the asking for some of these, some of these names was ridiculous that it was just, these guys are never going to get traded if you keep asking for that. Like, it's just not, it's just not there. Yeah. I mean, we saw Detroit hold on to Boyan Donovich way too long and got next to nothing compared to what they could have gotten a year ago. Uh, they didn't get the first they wanted. And that was something that yeah. their, their beat writer said that, um, there not one team like there was just nobody who was going to pay in. So you either take this now or you hold on to it. And they felt Grimes was enough. And, you know, I think it's interesting. Sasser and Grimes, you bring them back together from their Houston days and maybe you get something there. So um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty telling that that was like the best they were going to they were going to get. And so the other teams said, we don't care. We'll hold on to them where they said, no, we're going to we're going to get off it. Yeah, and you know Bruce Brown. I'm sure Toronto overvalued him because that's what Toronto likes to do. And I don't think the Kings even sniffed around on him because if they had, we would have seen it reported by Shams that the Kings were so close to acquiring Bruce Brown. You know, like that that would have got leaked from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? And I do generally like that they work so hard on getting OG and Siakam, and they really thought they were. They thought they had Siakam done that night we were playing them and apparently were blindsided by them saying, well, now we just want to throw in Malik Monk for the hell of it. So sorry. Um, You know, if if you believe what Amick was saying and then that situation that it was all like most most of the media there expected the deal to get done that night. And then out of nowhere it was, oh, by the way, we're throwing in this. And then the king said screw you but now that also leaves the Malik Monk scenario where you have to take care of that um because you can't afford to lose that asset now I mean yeah I mean that's that's and obviously we've got plenty of time leading up to the the offseason but I mean just kind of based on the landscape right now I mean some other teams did open up some cap space like Philly's gonna have a lot of cap space they're the the big danger I would say right like yeah, and you know how they star hunt, so it'll just be interesting yeah. to see if they pivot, like how they pivot from from that, if they do. I'd, yeah, it, that'll be interesting. Um, right now they're saying, uh, I read something on Toronto, that they're saying Toronto's going to have around the same money we do, so I'm not totally worried. I know people worried about that destination before. I'm not too worried about that. Um, Detroit's going to have some money space, but I mean... Detroit's like if you're signing with the Wizards right now, like what's depending on how much money you're getting, like maybe it'll be enough, but maybe some players don't want to even be in that situation. So it's it's going to be interesting. Given Monk's early career, I don't see him 
chasing the money for a horrible situation. <laughs> like, well, and I still think that. what the like, Kings can offer them are going to be it's going to be competitive to what's out there. Like, there's there's a lot of media out there less, that don't think he's going to get like they don't think he's going to get more than what the Kings could offer. So I'm, but it's one of those things. It just takes one team. So you just it's. You, you don't know. But I will say, I think that's where, and some of the other moves that we kind of saw today, where this is something we have said about the Kings for years, is they're not a team that has ever been willing to take on the big contract to absorb. Like, we had an open roster spot. If someone wanted to drop salary and attach a pick to it, would you take it? And this place has just never been one of those teams that has said, Yes, I will take your your money or even your expiring money and and take a pick with it. And cuz they just refuse to pay that money. And so that to me that limits them in their asset building scenario. Like you look at what OKC did this year. They took on Burton's contract for a year and were able to flip it for Gordon Hayward. They took on that contract knowing that they would be able to flip it for this exact kind of scenario. The Kings just don't ever do that stuff, but that also limits them in the moves that they can make. And so I'm not even saying that that's a GM fault. To me, that's more of a ownership and willing to pay that money fault because I refuse to believe that every single GM that has been here has not had the idea that every other single GM in the league has had of let's take on this salary with a pick. Um, and or, so that's just one of the things that like it handcuffs you like it does. And some, even of these, if we pretend that every single one of our GMs has had that same blind spot, that still is on ownership because you're not hiring the guys who see. Well, that. no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I refuse yeah. to believe it's <laughs> yeah. ownership thing yeah. because we've had some bad GMs, yeah. but I know that we've had instances where we've had two roster spots open and it's like, take it. Well, so a, a quick tangent. I mean, that Gordon Hayward deal by the Thunder. I was kind of surprised with a couple of the young guys they threw in there. Like, like Mitch, uh, he, I mean, he had been trying to come over for years and years and Trey years. Trey Mann was, I think, my most surprised. And Trey Mann, too. Like, but, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I thought that getting those two was a solid return for, like, Charlotte. But I really like it for the Thunder because they get a guy with playoff experience they get a guy who can, you know, Gordon Hayward has been overpaid for what he's done. But if you just look at what he's able to still do when he's healthy, he's still a solid player. Plus Even this year before he went down. Yeah. He, yeah, he was solid. Plus, he's a big expiring contract. So the Thunder just opened up a whole bunch of cap space this summer to where they could use those picks. You know, if there's some team feeling the pressure of the second apron. They can bring in a big money we'll star for it. all those yep. picks, and they don't have to send out matching money. Like, oh, watch Mikhail go there. Watch. It's so annoying the way that the Thunder are so well run by their front office. <laughs> and this is the thing: is Presti has done this in a cycle for years, just over and, and it, over and over. It amazes me that other ownership don't be like, do that, <laughs> like, do. <laughs> Or I mean, that other yeah. ownership's not like, here's $30 million, come be my GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's been there for so long. I mean, just going from Seattle to that. But, I mean, it's impressive. Like, it's it's just a cycle that 
you know, and being the small market that they are, like they just keep recycling and coming back. Track, and that's why I never bet them smart, out like him at the over hill. and over and over. Like, <laughs> yeah, the amount of stars and people they have had come in and out of there and been able to keep it going is it's impressive. Yeah. But that's what always killed me when they said Vivek would be like calling and asking him for advice and stuff like that. And it's like, really? And you didn't take any of it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Well, we've probably beat the horse long enough on frustrations for today. We haven't even gotten into the the loss to Detroit. It's like any other loss at this point. We're they, we're good. They've been going. I mean, it's it's nothing. It's nothing new that we haven't seen already this season. So you know yeah. what? I mean, they're they're making their bed, right? It's this team has to figure it out. And now you have Denver coming here tomorrow, <laughs> and then you have OKC, the Suns, and Denver again. Um, so. You know, and and that's where I was saying that take care of business because Dallas behind you, who's three and zero right now, they have um, the Wizards, the Spurs, and OKC or OKC Wizards Spurs in that I think in that order. So again, the teams below you, like they're they're coming for you, and the teams that are just above you, I I don't know what the final score is right now, but last I saw, the Suns were winning, um, and they're up a couple games on you now, so. It's, you know, it's again, it's not going to get any easier and there's just little room for air right now. So, um, but you know what? It wouldn't shock me that we've seen this team lose four and then win, what, five in a row, six, you know, whatever it was. So, and completely prove us all wrong, you know, time and time again. So I'm hoping for that, that they come out these next four games and um, are the good side of the king that we know is there um because they do seem to get up for better opponents so you know um you know that's why i don't count them out either that they are still a what a eight games over 500 or whatever it is i mean they've they've shown enough but now is where everyone's gonna really be um buckling down so and if and if dallas has a streak of you know bringing in three new guys and you know them kind of falling apart a little bit trying to work in those three new guys then you need to take advantage of that too Mm -hmm. um and that's you know they did a good job of that last year i felt like so um you you control your destiny so yeah i mean at this point the kings have said we're we're sticking with the guys who got us here no excuses yep yeah so now it's up to the roster to to prove the front office right, and I and hope they do. Like I hope God, all my anger is misplaced. Like, yes, that's all I want. But but this is the thing: you'd be winning these games if you weren't letting teams shoot fifty yeah. percent from three on you. Like knock that out, and that's why I want to right, because the, I want but the someone fact is who they haven't hard. knocked it out. So you know, I mean, um. They didn't they weren't this bad last year. So they they gotta they gotta figure it out. Like it's you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I refuse to believe it's all just bad luck. I'm sorry. When it's lasted over a month, there, <laughs> there's, there's got to be things that you can at least help improve your percentages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it happens against every single opponent, it's no longer bad luck. It's just it's over that- half the lead when Will put out that stat. Like that yeah. was why I don't know if I definitely recommend it. Yeah. Go to Will yeah. Z's um, page. He has there's a, a column of what the Kings are allowing teams to shoot three percentage wise against them. And then what every the average of what every other team is allowing them to do it. And I will say this. Denver, OKC and the Suns are teams that the Kings have actually held significantly below their their average. So maybe in these next couple games, it'll stay that way. Let's not add those three teams up to the top of where all the other teams have now gone. Let's keep them down. Denver's actually at the bottom. It's like 29%. Um, and then OKC and then the Sun. So Let's try and keep those three at the bottom, and then you actually have a, a good chance. But if you let them go up to the top, again, like it's you have to be perfect, and that's just not realistic for any NBA team either. Like to have to be perfect. So, um, yeah. Sorry to kind of end on that one, but no, uh, it's all right. I least- mean, that's. At least, that's the way it is. You know, as a positive, they're down there, so let's keep them down there. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the way it is right now. I mean, the the Kings, when they execute well, are among the best teams in the league. It's they just that they haven't been yeah. executing well on a regular basis. So hopefully they kick it in gear for the, the home stretch like they did last season. I mean, last season we were, you know, not much different in the standings from where we are now, but... Uh, the West itself was a lot weaker, and we were still down in, you know, six seven range, and they kicked it on and, and ended up third. I don't expect yeah, to end up third, yeah. but you know, yeah. there's still plenty of time to end up in a solid spot if the Kings get out of their heads, start playing well, start right. making the right plays. Like we've seen the team do it, we know they're capable. It's just consistency. Yeah, and we all like we all went into the season saying we all figured they were going to have more wins and be lower in the in the standings just because we figured more teams would be healthier than they were last year, and and we're seeing it. But that now yeah. leaves, like we said, little room for air. Like it's everyone's good right now, and so you know you really have to take your business and i think that's also a learning curve for this group too because they didn't necessarily have that last year and that's they're seeing now where we can still put up these numbers but it's not putting you in a safe space like it was last year you're now having to put up these numbers and really be in the mud with this so to an extent i do think that this is a good you know learning experience for this current, you know, core group that is here, that it's a good reminder for these guys who haven't been in this position that you can be right. We were 10 games over 500 and you're sitting in five or six like that. It's, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot um, with a team below you by one game. So it's, you know, it's, it's a good learning curve there. Just to end the the show on a more positive note, I will say that, yeah, and you mentioned this earlier, Jill, that there are several 
pundits, some of whom I actually respect, you know, like, for example, Zach Lowe, who have said that they didn't want the Kings to make a move. They keep the powder dry. Like, this is the year before the year. There's no sense in wasting assets. And, you know, the Kings have their core. They've got Fox. They've got Sabonis. They've got Keegan growing into his role. Herter fits well for the offense and has actually been improving on his defense this year in a lot of ways. You know, they, they've got a, a solid core. And if you're not going to win it all this year anyway, keep the assets, you know, set yourself up. For and have, Maybe right, and have, yeah, have two years of continuity to really mm-hmm. see what, what this group have. is made of. And I, and I, yeah. I can understand that. Have two yeah. full seasons worth of, you know, of evaluation to really see yeah. um, how, how guys fare. And hopefully that's all it is. Maybe this is the year before the year where the Kings really push themselves to contender status. And I do truly think that part of that is what, like, how close is Keegan, right? Like, because we see the flashes, but then you remind yourself he he should get that grace because he's in year two. And and then what he's doing on a really good team already as it is, like, is a lot compared to, you know, the other guys that were, you know, drafted around him. And so... I do often remind myself of this is year two for him. And, you know, unlike many other Kings, right. That have been, are not normally thrown into this kind of situation that there is still very much a, how, how close is he? Cause you see the flashes and it's just trying to get him more consistent too. But I do think there's something to be said where so many of these guys are so alike in their roles that now you're trying to, that they can take away from each other, right? That it's, you're seeing Harrison might be on a little bit and that's affecting Keegan, right? Or you see uh, Barnes and Herder going off and then that takes away from Keegan's shots. That it's Monk is going off, which then takes away from Fox and, and Keegan. Like there's multiple things. And so I do think that part of the evaluation is, which of these do I want to keep of these same ones? And now then I need to address the, the another style to now fit in this spot and that's where they liked the um og and things like that where it made sense right because he's not necessarily going to be the high volume guy taking away things from others so i will say in terms of Monty, where that's where i do like his evaluation of certain players so far when it comes to the ogs the thigh balls and things like that that it's i do think he has a good eye in terms of targeting of where he wants to make that switch to. But again, like we said, it's it's getting it done and that becoming available. But I will say in a positive note, like I do like his evaluation of of his targets of what fits with this group. So that that leaves me right hopeful and going forward of, of the evaluation with these guys and, and stuff going forward. No, 100%. I mean, I, I, I struggle to think of an example of the last player the Kings were rumored to like really be chasing like serious interest in that I was like I don't get that that's a terrible fit that's a bad player like you know the the targets and, and maybe that's why it makes trade deadlines that are uneventful so painful is like the targets we've heard it's like yeah that guy would really help that's a right. good fit that's right. the right type of player to go for so you know maybe that's why it, it makes it a little harder when those deals can't get done but uh we will hope for yep. The Kings to figure it out down the home stretch, and we'll be back 
in another week or two. And we'll, we'll see if we bring TJ back. I mean, it depends how much those gas considerations ended up being and which European we had to give up to in the deal. But uh, in the meantime, this will be us signing off for Living the Beam. Thanks for listening. <laughs>